Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and CEO of Mind Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the Mind Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Giselle Bunchen needs no introduction, but I'm going to do one anyway because you might not know about this side of Giselle. After meeting her for the first time earlier this year, it was very clear to me that she was one of us, a true wellness warrior, someone who was smart, someone who understood the critical issues we face today as a world, someone who oozed passion, whose life mission was to make the world a better, healthier, and happier place. Someone who truly understood that mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being were all connected. After all, that's why MindBuddyGreen is one word, folks. I'm honored to call her a friend and a member of the MindBuddyGreen family, and I'm really excited that she's sharing her personal journey to wellness in her new must-read book titled Lessons, A Path to a Meaningful Life. Giselle, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Congratulations on this amazing new book, Lessons, My Path to a Meaningful Life, which everyone at Mind Buddy Green has to pick up. It's a really important book. And uh, congratulations for, for sharing so much of your life. Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, I feel like by sharing, um, I know that when people share with me some of the stories that they've gone through in their lives is, is helpful. So the intention of this book is to Maybe some of the stories uh, and some of the challenges that I've been through um, will be helpful to people that might be going through similar experiences. So that's the intention is with that in mind. Well, I love that. And, and I love that you are a true wellness warrior and you're an environmental warrior and, and um, love your support. And uh, love that speaking of you know challenges that you start this book with something which I don't think a lot of people know about and stem from struggle with panic attacks back in 2003 so tell us about that yeah is um it was a very um challenging time in my life and you know I think it was definitely a rock bottom moment I um I started um having panic attacks um when it, it was about nine months of like severe ones but when I started you start you know you couldn't I couldn't I felt uncomfortable being inside of airplanes, and then it was elevators, and then it was subways, and then like tunnels, and it became, you know, it just kind of felt that the world was closing in on me. Everything was becoming like, you know, I couldn't breathe anywhere. I felt like, you know, even in my own apartment, uh, it got to the point where um, I even, you know, it crossed my mind because I was, you know, I was growing tense and tense and I wasn't really sharing what I was going through with anyone because I I was somehow um somehow embarrassed or that, you know that maybe it would be something that it was something so personal you know what I mean and it was 
I don't know if embarrassed is the world, but I, it was so fragile. It was so... I, I felt like I didn't want to share with anyone what I was going through. I mean, obviously, when I got... It got worse. I called my dad. and But none of my friends or people around me knew that I was going through that because I felt... Um, a, I felt like, you know, I have left home at 14 years old and I had gone through so many different things in my life and I felt like this too shall pass, you know? And at some point, you know, this is just going to go away, but instead of just going away, it just kept getting worse to the point that one day I was in my um, in my apartment. It was at night, late at night, and I lived in 11 in West High Highway in New York in front of the river, and I had a balcony around my apartment. And I decided to get a massage just to help myself relax. I was growing tenser and tenser every day. And and then I couldn't breathe through in the middle of the massage. So I went outside in the deck and, and um, I felt this, you know, my hands were sweating, my body it just like always would happen that I would just feel like I couldn't catch my breath. And, and then I thought, God, I can't live like this. You know, maybe I should just jump. It just crossed my mind. And that was a very, really um, hard, you know, when that, thought crossed my mind it was just it was devastating for me because I love life and I've always been a person who who consider you know, I, I know I've always felt like I was very lucky I had a wonderful loving family I had a great career I was anyone that would look from the outside would be like this person has a perfect life you know and and to me I felt like my world was so became so small like you know with all the things that I felt afraid of that I was going to die doing so many different things that when that thought crossed my mind, I was like, this is it. Like, I have to change something in my life. Like, I need to have my life back. I want to be happy again. I can't live in fear like this, you know? And that's when um, I, you know, I pray because that's what, I mean, love is my religion. I was raised in Brazil in a Catholic family, but really spiritual practice, you know, has been something in my life since I've known myself and, and this connection to a higher force has always been very present in my life and at that moment I just pray and this thought came to me, yoga, you know, and yoga, I'm like, I remember reading about Yogananda's book about yoga, but it was that only, that was the extension of my knowledge of yoga and then I was like, but this came to me so I have to check it out and so what was going on in your life at that point? Like you're crazy, like traveling, insane amount, diet a little different than what it is today. Very, actually. You know, that's all, you know, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. Yeah. I think that's exactly what happens. You know, something can, it's, it was a rebirth of sorts because I was living a very fast-paced life, you know, in the hamster wheel, like 100 miles an hour. I didn't think I could say no to anything. You know, I was modeling since I was 14. I was 23 at the time. And and I felt like I just had to say yes to every opportunity that came because I didn't know when it was going to end. Sure. And so I was, like, working months without a day off and going from country to country. And my diet was like, you know, steak and french fries and just basically w- waking up in the morning with a mocha frappuccino with whipped cream and, you know, <laughs> three cigarettes. And then... Going on and just, you know, having coffee throughout the day. So I was in uppers all day. So at night I couldn't fall asleep. So then I'll have a a glass of wine, maybe two, maybe three, you know, just trying to kind of get myself to a more resting state. And no wonder, you know, this was a rest, perfect recipe to creating an anxiety attack. And, you know, I think there's a lot of things we don't deal with because life needs to keep going. You know, sure. we need to keep going. And, you know, and that's kind of like when we are in the hamster wheel, we don't even notice. Like you have to, you know, you feel things. Life gives you messages, but sometimes, you know, you just want to 
keep doing what you're doing and you want to listen to them and sometimes you get a push you don't listen then you get a punch you know so (laughs) (laughs) I like that it gets a little louder and I think that was the loud you know calling like okay stop me on my tracks and I had to do something about it and and I did you know I after that, I, I was already going to two different specialists to kind of see how I could deal with my panic attacks. I was using a machine to go on flights. And anytime I go on tunnels, they would like watch my breath so I could see and remember to breathe all the way to the top and then to the bottom, like exhale and inhale. And, uh, you know, I was just like living the fast life. And that was the machine that I kind of felt like. But once that incident happened with me having those thoughts, um, the doctor, was, two of them actually said, you know, I think you should be on medication. And I'm... Um, I grew up, my mom having always a tea for every everything. She was like, that tea is going to cure it. And so I came from that belief system. So it was very hard for me to to think I would have to take a med. You know, it was kind of made me even more nervous. So I found another doctor, an alternative doctor. He was named, named Dr. Dominique. He's a French guy who was doing a lot of alternative medicine with cancer patients and different things. And he just said, you know, we're going to change your diet. You're going to cut down all the sugar out of your diet. I mean, sugar, I mean things I didn't even know was sugar, like, you know, pasta and rice and mm-hmm. and crackers and anything, right? It was just like just vegetables and nuts and, you know, avocados and and is the only kind of fruit I could have because avocado is a fruit. Sure. Um, and, you know, some meats, but like mostly vegetables and, 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 and salads and things like that. And in the beginning, you know, and I had to stop cigarettes, alcohol, obviously alcohol is sugar, so all of that stuff. And you know, it was a challenging thing, you know, because it was a, it was a, it was behavior. You know, we get attached to the things that we do, right? And I had to replace those behaviors with healthier behaviors because those weren't serving me. So I gave up alcohol, cigarettes, coffee, sugar, everything. And in the first two weeks, I definitely had crazy migraines. And, and I really think it was because of the sugar mostly because I had tried to stop smoking because I used to bet with my friends I was going to stop smoking like a few times before that and I never had those kinds of intense migraines but I felt really clear after like after a month I was like a I was meditating every day and doing pranayama techniques to balance the left and the right side of the brain and I was doing meditation and I started running in the morning so basically I changed the girl who was like eating steak and french fries and cookies and all day and having cigarettes, you know, all of that. And I became this other, like I changed my, I completely changed my diet and it changed my life. Wow. That pretty abrupt change. And that's kind of, I give you a lot of credit for doing that. And a lot of people, I think, come into the space and they, they, things aren't going well, but like you really, that that's, you went cold turkey pretty quickly and went the other way, which is. Well, I think when you, when you, when the, the, the thought of, jumping from the ninth floor crosses your mind you know that you you're pretty in trouble you know what I mean so I think something that extreme that you know it it takes like an extreme measure to change the other side and I felt like I wanted to live I love life you know I didn't want to feel that way and I knew that I got myself I created that reality for myself and I was the only person who can get myself out of that and that sounded when Dr. Dominique you know, said, this is the things that you, sh- you can do and that will help you. I trusted him because I knew in my heart that that was true for me, that that was, that was going to help me. And he did. Because after suffering for, for, you know, panic attacks where my world kept getting smaller for nine months. And nine months is a long time. It's like, a long that, that's time. That's like, tort, like... I'm very when you're resilient. Having, well, also, too, when you think about when you, have a, when you have a panic attack, seconds seems like days. Oh, yeah. And so nine months probably seemed like 90 years to you. 
it, it was I exactly felt like my eternity. You know, yeah. It really did, but you know, I, I just felt like somehow, like I have gone through so many different things in my life, you know, and I felt like somehow it was just gonna, I was gonna brush it off, it was gonna go away, you know, that at some point it was just gonna stop magically somehow. I love that. Well, but, it did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with some work, magic. The world is magical, but I think it takes some work too. Absolutely. Well, one of the so, things I loved in your book too, it's like showing up, doing the work. You like have two to, cr- critical things. Yeah, and I think it's 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 important because you know I understood that it, it really was me who who needed to change that, and it changed my life for the better. Like I never could imagine just the awareness. You know, for the first time in my life, I was able to 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 stop you know, and witness and go inward and find home inside, you know? So that was amazing to just kind of have the realization that my body was my temple and that everything, every choice I made of how I ate, of my thoughts, of everything I was inviting in my... Mm. It was either, you know, nourishing me or destroying me. And I had to make a choice, you know? And, and, I, and it changed the way I felt. I mean, seriously, like now... Everything I eat, like, I, I'm very sensitive. Like, you know, if I eat something, like, and I say everything is like, I don't want to be in a box. Like, life is too beautiful, and I want to experience, and food is part of experiencing life. But, you know, I just simply notice how I feel when I eat something versus when I eat something that is more nutrition, you know, has more nutrition in it, and it comes from the earth, and is organic, and is, you know, it's plants. Sure. I feel energized versus eating something that takes away my energy. I want to support myself, you know, support my temple. I want to take care of my body so it can take care of me. I love that. So, so what is like a day in the life look like for you now in terms of diet, like waking up to your routine, to how you eat? How would you, how would you describe I that? I try to explain that a little bit in the book, but, uh, you know, um, I wake up usually around 5.30 in the morning. That's my favorite time to wake up because it's so quiet and I feel the energy is just so just still. And I love that. Usually the first thing I do is do some oil pulling with coconut oil. Yes, um, very mind-body green. I love that. <laughs> and then I just do coconut oil while I get dressed and, you know, do every, you know, feed the dogs and get my water warm for my water with lemon. And then I do my water with lemon. I like to light, I like rituals, you know, so I like to light up a little candle and just sit in the couch and, and have a little meditation time, just five minutes, you know, because then I usually work out after that before my kids wake up and then by seven I've done all that and then I'm ready to go and then the kids are waking up and then I'm ready to make breakfast and prepare their lunch and do all that and so I feel like I've taken care of me and nourished myself and put the oxygen mask on me first so I can then put the oxygen mask you know so I think it's important that that part you know I think the panic attacks also taught me that you know I have to take I have to look at myself and my needs because how can you give if you have nothing if you run on empty you know, and and then I take the kids to school, and um, we love singing in the car. You know, that's one of my favorite things. My kids take singing very seriously, <laughs> so we love doing that, and that's a very special moment with them. I love that it's just quiet in the house. You know, it's just it's just nice. It's just the three of us in the house, and and then go take them to school, and then I start my day, and then I usually come to the sanctuary and work. And when I'm traveling, obviously that changes because then I'm in a different. You know, sometimes I work. You know. 10 to 12 hour days so then usually I wake up and I always do my meditation in the morning and sometimes I actually meditate like if I have an important meeting or something that I have to do that I want to just center I um, usually do a 5 10 minute meditation however long I have just to kind of center and 
go back to my space where I feel, sure. you know, ready to go. So how would you describe your diet today or philosophy on food? Um, my philosophy on food is, um, I think it's important for everyone to really notice how food makes them feel. I think it's a self-observation that, that I, I would suggest everyone to do because we all have different reactions to food. Like I gratefully don't have any allergies, but I prefer not to eat gluten or, you know, mostly we have a plant-based diet at home. Uh, all of us, the kids eat the same way. Um, I tried to become vegetarian twice. Unfortunately, I became anemic twice. Um, that was just my, I don't know if it was because, sure. my, I don't know exactly what happened. I was doing, eating lots of lentils and chickpeas and nuts, but <laughs> um, I am um, just eat about maybe once or twice a week I eat red meat and um, minimal fish. I mean, we maybe once a week and the rest is pretty much lots of chickpea soup and lots of kale, lots of large salads and avocados and pretty much all the desserts are based on coconut meat because, you know, the, the brain needs a lot of fat yep. um, to, to function, you know, each or I guess our body just needs different kinds of nutrients to... to um, to function to the its optimal way. So I, I just, I really what I'm looking for is nutrition, nutritional density. You know, I want yep. more nutrition in the food. I don't look at calories or fats or any of that stuff. I look for like no processed sugars really, like rarely I eat processed sugar, although I do love dark chocolate. Some good dark chocolate is um, incredible. I love yes. it. I, I have a little piece every day, I have to say. But usually at lunchtime, I usually try to avoid sugar unless it's like a birthday party or something that is, you know, at night, no sugar because sure. I sleep better with a chamomile tea at night. Most than, people do. Yeah, than, you know, with like sugar. So I usually have like light meals at night if it's winter's more soups and lentil soup and chickpea soups, lots of veggies on it. Um, and in the summer, more salads at night. Very with, Ayurvedic. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I just, I just, you know, I like to, to eat food that is, you know, that comes from the earth. Sure. I think that's pretty a good gauge. If it comes from a package, is I mean, sometimes if packaged food can be good if it's really nutritional dense, but mostly I think if if it's a vegetable and if it's organically grown, if it's always makes me feel good. Sure, eat food not too much, mostly plants. Yeah, and exactly, and I think not too much of it. I think is also another important point, you know, because I think it just if you eat enough, you feel energized. If you eat more than you need, then you feel kind of like uh, I mean, I feel a bit like, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's good to, um, to kind of like for each person, they have a different amount of food that they need. But, um, so I, I guess everyone has to figure out what works for them, but exactly. We're all individuals. What works for me may not work for you. And vice versa. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you also have a chapter, which I love in your book about how the quality of your life is determined by the quality of relationships. And yeah. you talk a lot about self-awareness a lot, which I love. So mm -hmm. like, talk to us, like, why, like, what, what do you mean by that? The quality of your life is determined by quality relationships. Yes. So, I mean, the quality of your life depends on the quality of your relationships. My father said that to me once uh, when I was driving, when on one of our long drives um, home when he went to pick me up at the airport I was like 14 or 15 years old I wasn't leaving home anymore and he said that to me and he kind of stayed with me because it's really true I mean you know we don't live alone on this earth yes we take our first breath alone and our last breath alone but what we the life we choose to have in between there are all these relationships that we have and 
And those relationships are, are either are going to inspire us and, and to be the best version of ourselves, or they're going to, and there are some who might bring not the best in us, you know, mm -hmm. because, so I think it's really important to surround yourself too and be mindful of the people who are around in your life and who, are, who is really there that, that's really loving and that's, that, you know, that kind of lifts you up and it's with you for the right reasons, right? And the people who are there for, you know, there's, a, you know, misery loves company. Sometimes there's people, <laughs> and I mean, you know what I mean? Sometimes there was like, I just wanted to be surrounded with with people that um, that are inspiring to me, because I feel like you know it makes me a better person, and and usually like people who are going through challenging times, you know, even myself when I was going to feeling like more depressed and dealing with my panic attacks and all that stuff. Really, the all the you know when when I sat in meditation, I saw there was a lot of clearing out of friendships that needed to happen. You sure. know what I mean? Because there is. You know, there is all that in life, too. So I think that determines the quality of relationships because in the end of the day, we don't live alone in a bubble. We live with other people. And if, if we can really choose those people consciously, the people that have that vibration that matches our vibration of love, which is really ultimately what I want to be in the vibration of, is a higher vibration, you know, then everything just works. You know, if life is better, the journey just gets happier and and i think it's important to to be aware of that i love that so one would say the most important relationship is your partner your life partner and i think the most important relationship you have is with, well, with your, yourself is with yourself Self first yes i think that is the number one most important relationship you you would have because in the end of the day you're gonna live with yourself you have to live with yourself you have to live with the choices you make and no one can know up certain things about yourself but you know you know, so you need to know that you are the person that you want to be. Right. And, and I think if you are that, then it's easier for you to to attract that into your life. Yeah, you can't be that. happy. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. And it's like the whole one cup full, the other, you know. The, so, you know, yeah, it, yeah, 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 we so. know. <laughs> but I do want to like, what is it, that, you know, with your life? Like, what is it without going to like, what do you think it is about your your marriage, your relationship that makes it work so well? I think because we accept each other for who we are, you know? I think yeah. we're not trying to change one another. We're very, I think, opposites attract in so many ways. I mean, we have a lot of the same foundation of values in family and family and, and dedication and discipline. And we, we choose to work at our relationship, you know? And to, and, and you know, he's... Tom is very grounded and he, his energy is very cool and collected. He's very kind of, he has, he brings that energy of like, you know, like a safe port. Mm -hmm. And I'm more emotional and, um, you know, changeable and spontaneous and, you know, um, so I think it's, it's great because I bring some of that to his life and he bring, he brings more of the grounding and the, to, to my life so it feels it feels like a really good dance and and I think it, you know keep the the conversation always current and and loving mm -hmm. you know I think that's that's key and to really accept each other and to fully see the other for who they are and embrace that and I think that's you know that's huge and, and it's been a wonderful journey so far and I 
have a feeling it's going to be even greater going forward. <laughs> well, two words you use, which I love. Well, three words. Acceptance, acceptance work, yes. and journey. Exactly. That's key. Yeah, because, you know, I think when there is acceptance, there is no pain. Because the only time there is pain is there when there is resistance of what is. Mm. And what is is what is. You can change what is. But if you're resistant to that, then it brings suffering. But when there is acceptance for what is, then there is forgiveness, then there is love, then there is, it, it is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's important. So something else you talk about, you have a chapter on this as well, one of the reasons why I love this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts and words, so important. Yeah, thoughts and words are powerful. Use them wisely. I say that to my kids all the time. Yeah. I say, hey, your words are like spells. You know, you have to make sure how you're using them because it can really hurt someone or it can really lift someone. You don't know where someone is going through. Someone might be very sensitive and the words can really get to them. And when they're strong, they might not get to them in the same way. So, and our thoughts informs our words because what we think we say and then what we say we create, right? Because there is a reaction to what you, when you say something. And if you say it enough, you believe it and it becomes eventually becomes true. So, gotta... I love that. There's a cycle. Well, it's yeah. a vicious cycle and you, people get caught up in it. You don't realize it. And, and, then, yeah. and then people tend to like use their iPhone and then those... It, <laughs> it's a whole important. different than vibration, all these things. Change. But it starts with, you know, the word, first came the sound, right? Yeah. So, so if you're mindful of your words, the, you know, if you, you can create... You know, re- I really feel like they're magical. So, you know, they, 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 they really help shape our reality. So we have to be mindful of the words we are using to ourselves, with ourselves, because sometimes we say very not kind words to ourselves or to others. So you know? something else you're very passionate about, we share this passion and, and mission, is, is the environment. And yes. nature is, is everything. And why is nature our greatest teacher? Well, she's our home. If you if you think of everything in nature, she's look at a tree, for example. He knows when it's time to go to sleep and save its energy through the winter, and then he knows when to flower when it comes the spring. He knows the cycle of things. You know, nature just knows. There was a um, special friend I met, Noah. He takes care of the plants in Ireland, the trees in Ireland, the parks, and he said, you know, Giselle. If, a, if people have lost, if any species have lost a third of their skin, they would, they would go into a high fever and die. Well, the planet is alive and it has lost a third of its skin. And this is why we are faced today with all these natural disasters, one after the other. I mean, never in, in, in my lifetime I remember seeing so many natural disasters. One after the other. And I think this is the earth saying, like, hey, like, see what you're doing. It's like she's, she's mirroring something back to us. Like, what are we doing? And like, what are we doing to ourselves ultimately? Because in the end of the day, she's going to regenerate herself if we're no longer here. Yeah. Right? So I think we need to take care of the earth because she provides us with life. I mean, without her, what, what, what is the air we breathe comes from? Where's the water we drink? Where's the food we eat? It comes from her. She's nourishing us to life. So she's the most important, I mean, it only seems normal to me that we would take care of the very thing that sustains all life on earth. It's all connected. Yeah, we are all one. I mean, we are not separate from her. We are nature. Mind, body, green, one word, not three. Yeah, hello. All connected. Yes, you see, we are one. And I think we forgot that. You know, I think that that 
that created the reality we are living in today. I, yeah. You know, so I I just want to feel I feel so connected to the earth since I was little, and and I I feel like that is my mission to bring awareness and maybe hopefully make people remember that we are her too. You know, we are her. We are nature. And that when we destroy nature, we are really destroying ourselves. Absolutely. So, and you're doing some incredible work. Can you just share a little bit like what you're doing with your dad in Brazil and your clean water project and, and Defort and the problems down there and just tell people a little bit about that? Well, I mean, you know, deforestation has been going, uh, it's crazy. And then the Amazon is like, I, I did a documentary last, you know, last year about it. And I just feel like, I don't know what it would take for people to just see, I mean, like I said, like how many natural disasters are going to have to keep happening for us to realize what we're doing to our earth. I mean, what more signs that she needs to make, you know, what I talked about, like sometimes you get a push and you don't listen, you get a punch. I mean, what's the punch that has to come right. for it's us like, to well, realize? It's, 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 yeah. You know what we're doing because it's it's just so clear um, that we have to really look at the way you know what a choice we're making and how that's impacting our earth. And the clean water project, the Agua Limpa project, started really with the idea of um, you know water. Obviously, natural resources are finite, so uh, and and we can't live without water. So one time, um, 2008, I was. Uh, we always do like family holidays. We bring the whole family together, my sisters, and we were at the table just having a conversation. My dad says, you know, water is going to become like the biggest issue in the world. And, you know, we have a problem in our town right now. Where the, the water quality is just really it's difficult. And I say, what can we do to help? And he's a sociologist, my dad, and he was like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. So he came back with this idea of like regenerating like native species in 30 meters in each side of the river and also in the springs. Um, protect the springs so the water could always flow. And with that, not only the water quality, you know, I funded that project. He worked on it for five years. Oh. And we had not only the animals came back, because once you bring the trees back, the animals come back to because this natural environment now is it's sure, back. Yeah. So everything flourishes. You know, nature, that's why nature is so wise. I mean, I don't even have, we don't have to do anything. We just have to put the seed, you know, plant the tree. And after five years, you know, of, of watering and taking care of it, nature just does the rest. She wants to to thrive too, you know. She she so it was beautiful to see how how that happened, and um, and because of that, we were like, okay, we 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 can do more. Like so, we decided to to extend the project and use the same principles we use in Agualimpa to to do the Jacuí River, which is the largest river that is born inside of the state of Rio Grande do Sul, which is my state where I was born in Brazil, feeds the water for over 2 million people. Wow. And um, is a definitely much more ambitious project, but this is why, you know, 100% of my proceeds of the of the book are going to fund the, the beginning of that project. And it makes me really happy because it feels like, you know, it's 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 any way I can contribute to... to give back to mother earth because she gives us so much is uh, i'm gonna do it into the day i take my last breath so oh i love that and I, it, it's such you know without water we can't live and some people will say like oh that's far away it's somewhere else but there's a half a million people now in the central valley of california so half a million central valley so a couple hours just north of santa monica a couple hours south of palo alto like Clean Cape water Town here. Cape Town. yeah Cape Town went dry that's what i'm saying and look africa as, are, as a continent is one of the most 
you know, richest con uh, continents in the world as far as biodiversity, as far as, yeah. you know, like natural resources in Cape Town, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. when without water. I mean, Sao Paulo, the largest city in Brazil was, you know, people couldn't do anything because they had no water for a few months. And, and it's really like we need to pay attention to that because we can't, we are doing it to ourselves, you know. So if we don't, if we don't act now, I... I I don't know, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to end, but I don't think it's going to be a place where we're going to be happy. Right. And I want to do everything I can in my power to do my part and I'm bring not only, you know, funding projects and being the, you know, bringing everyone together and trying to, the best I can to bring, not only create those projects and, 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 and planting trees and protecting the water sources, you know, the, the, the springs, of this river so it can continue to flow with water, but also to bring awareness about that and, and get everyone together to help because really this is our planet. I mean, we live in this blue dot floating in space and there's no <laughs> other place we're going to go. You know sure. what I mean? It's like this is our home, so we need to take care of our home so she, you know, so she can keep taking care of us. I love that. And I, so when I first met you, it was so clear to me how mission-driven you were and how passionate you were about all things wellness and the environment. And then in a lighter note, it was, I was like, oh my God, you're a numerology expert. <laughs> when I met you, you asked my birthday and then you got my number immediately and my whole, like, so talk to me about so, your, your love affair with numerology. Like, you're like a we legit can do, expert. Do you want me to do a little numerology so people can know, know a little bit about you over here? Sure. Okay, so numer oh, and numerology and astrology, I mean, those are things that I was fascinated with since I was about 14 years old because... Since I left school at 14, I went to live out of my parents' house and um, I moved to Sao Paulo for my 17,000 village in the south of Brazil to a 22 million city. And um, after I went to Japan, live in Tokyo when I was 14 for three months, and the school decided that I wasn't going to pass <laughs> because I had not enough presents, but even though I had great grades, I was like, I'm not coming Maybe back here. Maybe that school's listening. I was like, <laughs> I'm not. You made a mistake. <laughs> I'm saying, I guess I'm not coming back to school. I'm gonna study what I want. So you know, the world was my was my school, and 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 I was very attracted to to mythology and astrology and neurology and all that. So that's when I when I really started to um, get in touch with that because for me it was like anything that could get me to deeper to understand myself. And all the answers I was getting from religion or from my parents or from my teachers weren't enough for me. I was like, there must be more to life than than this, you know. And I felt like, you know, there were a lot deeper answers when you really study numerology and astrology and all that. You really get to know yourself in a deeper way. And, and that was always, you know, know thyself. It's, I think, what we're here for. So I think those are tools that can help on that journey. And You were quite good. I was, we meet a lot of people at MindBuddy Green and a lot of, ex when, you, when we met you, I was like, oh my God, wow. The best person in numerology, no one knows. <laughs> well, everyone knows who she is, but no one knows. It's just <laughs> oh, so, I can do your numerology, but I don't know if you want everyone to know about yourself. Well, you can, so I'm, you could do a quick one on me. <laughs> okay, quick one. So, so I'm, let's see. I'm November 4th, 1974. So look, November 4th. So November is 11, which yep. is, um, you know, we, I say the antennas, you know, they're like, is a two, which is sensitivity and intuition is the number of intuition and sensitivity, but they also have the two antennas, which they can receive information because you know the two is one in one right so that's the vision of, of it um the four is foundation so it's important for people who have fours and the number two structure is foundation structure is very important so two and four is six relationships 
also huge, you know, like dealing with and also karma with that within relationships. Um, so two, like really quick, two and four, and what's the year? 1974. Two and four is six. Plus one is seven, spiritual number seven. And um, and what's the year again, sorry? Nine, seven, four. Seven, uh, four. So seven, four is another 11. So it's a, so it's a two. two. So you are nine. Nine, we're both nine. Exactly, we are. So nine, <laughs> so, so nine is the complete, you know, nine is the, in numerology you have master numbers like 11, 22, 33 and all that. But you also have... But for the life path, let's say, because there's like, just like astrology, you have expression number and so urge number, just like you would have um, rising and, you know, rising and moon and all that. So, but you have a very quick one. So the nine is like, is the, the, is the completion, is the last number in numerology for the life path, the last life path, we'll say. So it's really about, it's important to do things for the for the world. It's important to the nine sees is is the empath too because it has all its numbers in itself. Because any number you add to nine becomes itself, yeah. right? So the nine has all the numbers in itself. So it can feel, can have the empathy, can can feel the other numbers. Like basically, they're living all the other life paths too. So pretty intense, but pretty great. Pretty. So I just wanted to point <laughs> out to all the listeners, Giselle is nothing in front of her at the time. This is all coming from her head. No pencil, no pen, no book. So, so one. So this book is called Lessons: My Path to a Meaningful Life. So like, what does you know, how do you define success? Like, how do you define a meaningful life? What does that look like? I think, you know, to me is to actualize. I think success is when one's, one can actualize its purpose in, in this, you know, and, I, and to discover its purpose, you know, why am I here for? And then to fulfill that purpose. I think that's what success is. And for you, what is that? It's to live a life with, the presence of love in my life as my guide and to do everything coming from that place and to create positive change in the world and leaving the world a better place. I love that. So I close with the same two questions for everyone. So what, what keeps you up at night? So like, what are you worried about? What has you excited every morning? <laughs> my children keep me up at night. Oh my God, let me tell you. <laughs> they come to my bed every night and then I can't sleep after they're there. But they're so cuddly, so they do keep me up at night, I must say. Moms out there, I think you can, can feel me on this one. Uh, dads can feel you too. <laughs> I feel that with our 20-month-old. Oh, you know, I have an, you know, my, you know, we have 11, 8, and 5. And the, sometimes the three of them come in the bed. You know, it's like, whoa, it's a party. Sometimes we <laughs> have to leave the bed because they're in the bed. Like, I guess I'm going to remove myself from the bed. But... And so what has you excited every morning when you're just... Life has me excited. A new day. I love that. So every day is a new day, and I have a new chance to, to make it better. And I'm excited about that every day. I love that. So my last question. So any regrets or any advice? If you could go back in time and give yourself advice in 2003, or what would that be? Mm, I think our general advice, I would say, for my younger self would say, it would be to not take things personal. Don Miguel Ruiz, yeah. who I know you're a fan you of. You know I am. <laughs> I am. I love The Four Agreements. That's, I was reading it when I was 15. One of my favorite books. I love that. Well, so. Giselle, thank you so much. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, thank you for your support. Congratulations on this book. Thank you. Everyone needs to pick it up. Lessons, My Path to a Meaningful Life. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And kisses to everyone who's hearing it. Much love to all of you. Mwah.
We love it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you.